This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. And we've got some breaking news for some real Sentinel heads out there, the folks who've been uh, listening to the podcast since its beginning, essentially, or at least since uh, the Trump administration began and we started doing uh, the daily podcast. News about Scott Pruitt's jack-off booth, huh, Sam? Yeah, that's right. Uh, E&E News, which is a, uh, uh, a trade and regulatory publication, has obtained through FOIA photos. Photos of the Scott Pruitt jack-off booth. Amazing. Which were, uh, actually, I think it's just one photo. It was taken from his bathroom. Hmm. So uh, he already had a jack-off booth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, uh, more coverage of this on Means Morning News this week because we can't really we can't really do anything visual on this show and uh, we're going to have to show the photo so stay tuned for that yeah yeah uh, seeing other news here the Democratic data firm Hawkfish and this news you know who knows how this election is going to play out um, but just they're putting this out there saying that uh, it could appear like Trump is way ahead on election night, but then he could ultimately lose when all the mail-in ballots come in over the next few weeks, which is just sort of a, a nightmare scenario of how things might play out post-election. Um, and maybe you can talk me off the ledge here a bit, Sam, but it really seems like it's whether or not Trump is going to decide to play the card this is a coup when he loses. I mean, he might win. We, you know, He might just win the election again, win the Electoral College, in which case that's that. But uh, assuming he does lose and he plays the this is a coup card, what is stopping like 5,000 armed militia members from just descending upon D.C. at once to guard the White House? Is that a scenario that seems that far-fetched given what we've seen in the last few weeks? Uh no, it it doesn't actually seem that far fetched, and it's not like the police would do anything about it. They'd be joining a lot of these people. Yeah, but uh, there is an interesting thing where uh, the Military Times released its uh, presidential poll, and Biden actually has an edge among active duty military members. Hmm. Uh, and tr- it's not that big though, is the thing, and. Trump's support among uh, active duty uh, uh, military members has only gone down like three percentage points <laughs> over over the past four years. And I assume that the uh, the Trump supporters in the military are slightly more enthusiastic than the Biden supporters in the military. Uh, but nevertheless, it does seem like that Trump does not really have all that much uh, support within the military, and uh, I think we saw some of that in uh, in recent weeks when Secretary of Defense Mark Esper told the president that uh, he was uncomfortable with 
some of the scenes that have been playing out on American streets and uh, didn't think that the U.S. military uh, should should be involved in this. So it sort of seems like we are a reverse uh, Spanish Civil War situation <laughs> where in the Spanish Civil War, I think a lot of the police supported the Republic and a lot of the army uh, supported the fascist coup. So, well, I suppose if we're already describing a scenario in which like the domestic security forces are at odds with our foreign imperial troops, um, it's already game over. It's already game over. It's not looking. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely not looking good. Um, I guess I guess the good news about this scenario is that it has been brought up now uh, two months before the election. So perhaps if we get the media talking about how this election will be unique and that we probably won't have a winner on election night because of all the mail-in ballots, if we can get people sort of mentally in that framework, it will be, I think, a little harder for Trump to do something like declare himself the winner and get a bunch of his uh, his boog boys uh, yeah. down to D.C. I mean, even if he loses in a landslide on election night, he might still do it and have enough people who would believe it at this point to to come down and try to protect him uh, from a potential coup. And yeah, I mean, I, th I think there's still a pretty good argument to be made that Trump didn't want to be president to begin with. Uh, he's seemed miserable on the job ever since and is just looking for an exit that saves face for himself. Um, at the same time, I wouldn't discount what having four years of absolute power does to an already distorted brain and how it might react in a situation uh, in which it's suffered a massive electoral defeat if it indeed does. Yeah, a, f a few months ago, I, w I just would have written him off as uh, too... Uh, lazy and you know not determined enough to try to pull something like that off but in the past few weeks and months as we've seen uh, the nation sort of rise up against a lot of uh, what Trump represents uh, it, it, it could have hardened his his resolve and uh, shocked him out of uh, whatever uh, laziness he had but that said I I just I I don't know I fuck I I'm so bad at making predictions I am reluctant to say anything but I I would like to think nobody knows right now nobody right. knows how of, this is of course play of out. course no one knows but I would like to think that Trump's um hardcore supporters are more bark than bite and, you know, like I said yesterday, it sort of seemed like in Portland with that with that Patriot prayer dipshit getting uh, getting clapped is that it, it I don't know. I mean, again, it's very early, but it, it did have a bit of like a cable street feel to it <laughs> in that, you know, you fucked around, you found out and, um, you know, just just uh, just well, chill that out. That message uh, hasn't quite filtered to the president, which we'll get to right now. It's Tuesday, September 1st, 2020. Here's the news. 
Trump is in Kenosha, Wisconsin today, where he's meeting with law enforcement officers, the same group, of course, responsible for the unrest in the city after police shot unarmed Jacob Blake in the back seven times, leaving him paralyzed. In an interview with Fox News, Trump claimed that the shooting was a result of an officer just choking, just like someone does on the golf course. In the meantime, he might have been going for a weapon and, you know, there's a whole big thing there. But they choke, just like in a golf tournament, they miss a three-foot... You're putt. not comparing it to golf because, of course, that's no, what the media... I'm saying say. people yeah. choke. People, people, people choke. Yeah. Laura Ingram trying to save him there. On Monday evening, the president gave a full-throated defense of Kyle Rittenhouse, the far-right militia member wannabe cop who drove across state lines and murdered two Black Lives Matter protesters in the streets of Kenosha last week. In it, all of it, uh, that was an interesting situation. You saw the same tape as I saw, and uh, he was trying to get away from them, I guess, it looks like, and he fell, and then they very violently attacked him, and it was something that we're looking at right now, and it's under investigation, but uh, I, I guess he was in very big trouble. He would have been, I, he probably would have been killed, but it's under, it's under investigation. Trump then turned his attention to the events in Portland, where far-right reactionaries drove through the streets assaulting people. And afterward, one of those reactionaries, a member of the Patriot Prayer Militia, was shot and killed. Early indications are he was shot after attacking someone else with mace. But here was how the president described what happened. Now we're ready. When I watched that scene last night with all of those really horrible people outside of the mayor's house, I also saw the way they shot the young gentleman in the street. He was targeted. They targeted him. They shot him in the street, and then they were so happy, and he died. You don't mention that. You mentioned somebody sprayed paint at somebody from the other side. They shot a man in the street. They executed a man in the street, a religious man in the street. Well, we've gone from fine people on both sides to just fine people on one side, actually, the far right side. Everyone else, bad people, dangerous people. Also worth mentioning that the president is now pushing this idea that Antifa has airplanes. Here he was in that same Fox News interview. We had somebody get on a plane from a certain city this weekend. And in the plane, it was almost completely loaded with with thugs wearing these dark uniforms, black uniforms with gear and this and that. They're on a plane. Where's the where is I'll tell you sometime, but I, I, it's under investigation right now. He's left even Laura Ingram, who is trying to do him favors throughout the whole interview, just completely incredulous. The claim that Antifa are traveling on planes mirrors a viral right-wing Facebook post from several months ago, which, according to the president, is now under investigation. Also, Senator Rand Paul is trying to subpoena Antifa travel records. He's describing it as an interstate criminal organization. He wants the full force of the government brought down on it. Exactly what you'd expect from a libertarian. They turn into Judge Dredd when some people yell at them in the street. Not much to add here, really. I have no take. We are firmly entrenched in the bad place right now, folks. What it, what is the status of that RICO lawsuit against Antifa? Is that still going on? <laughs> I could not tell you. <laughs> you know, if if I'm right though, and the uh, we've got the reverse Spanish Civil War uh, scenario unfolding, Antifa will have airplanes. 
Look, if I if I were if I was a liberal and I believed that Trump was as serious of a threat as I claim he is to be, then and imagining a scenario that we talked about at the beginning of the show where uh, he might not vacate the White House and the police would be defending him. I'd be investing in an Antifa Air Force. That might be the only way to dislodge him, folks. I would be much more amenable to working with never Trump Republicans like John Kasich and Jennifer Rubin if uh, they went on national TV and were like, you know what, we gotta we gotta arm these Antifa guys. We gotta we gotta give them a whole bunch of guns. <laughs> that almost definitely will not happen. The ties between the Democratic Party and the corporate right are deepening. Today, the biggest today the biggest business lobby in the country announced that it would back almost two dozen House Democrats in November. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce is backing 23 Dems, all of them freshmen, which is no doubt part of an effort to keep the left marginalized should Democrats do well in November. The chamber already burned six figures backing the primary opponent that AOC steamrolled, as the Associated Press noted today, the rest of the money it has spent thus far in the 2020 cycle has been independent expenditure backing Republicans, $20 million worth to be exact. The House Dems getting backing from the chamber include Reps Abby Finkenauer and Cindy Axney of Iowa, Andy Kim of New Jersey, Elaine Luria and Abigail Spanberger of Virginia, Sharice Davids of Kansas, Ben McAdams of Utah, and millionaire David Trone of Maryland, and more. And people said that Blue Dogs and the New Democrats were dead. In related news, listen to this bit of messaging from the Democratic Party. Here was Congresswoman Maxine Waters grilling Steve Mnuchin today, pressing the Treasury Secretary on more emergency relief funding for local governments during the pandemic. Uh, On city and state, uh, there has been some reference to Uh, police and fire. Uh, And there's a lot of discussion about uh, the funding of police now. Uh, Don't you understand, uh, for those people who are worried about the funding for police, as this whole discussion uh, takes place about defunding, uh, that to the degree that you are not agreeing on city and state funding, that you are in essence defunding the police and the fire. We don't have a left-wing party in this country, just a right-wing party and a center-right party. At least when Jeremy Corbyn lamented the lack of money for cops, he would also say things like nuclear weapons should be abolished. Number of coronavirus cases in the U.S. is over 6 million now. More than 183,000 people have died. Cases are still increasing in at least a dozen states. And yet... In today's hearing on Capitol Hill featuring the Treasury Secretary, you'd barely know the pandemic and the lack of assistance from the government during it are responsible for the current economic meltdown. Instead, according to Secretary Mnuchin and Republican Congressman Jim Jordan, everything would be fine if it weren't for pesky Democratic governors keeping their states on lockdown just to stick it to Trump. I believe there's no question that the reason we have unemployment is that certain states are not opening up and that there are issues. Obviously, some of that has to be balanced with the the, the medical issues appropriately. But yes, we would expect unemployment to drop significantly between now and the end of the year. Yeah, and it's largely Democrat states. I mean, Democrats keep their states locked down, and then they complain about unemployment. 
Uh, you sure about that, Steve? Because a lot of doctors are waiting in horror about what the pandemic does when the weather cools down and how our healthcare systems handle COVID during flu season. Also, economists are predicting as many as 40 million people could lose their homes by the end of the year. But Steve Mnuchin says everything will be fine. He's a modern-day Andrew Mellon. There's new data on U.S. assets in the Cayman Islands, a known tax haven and the top foreign destination for U.S. portfolio holdings. In 2018, at the year's end, U.S.-based portfolios held some $1.74 trillion in equity based in the Cayman Islands. That total increased to $1.96 trillion at the end of last year. That's according to the preliminary results of an annual report released yesterday by the Treasury Department. The next largest destination for U.S. investors is the U.K., a country with annual economic output 500 times larger than that of the Cayman Islands. Japan and Canada, two of the United States' top four trading partners, rank third and fourth on the list. All in all, U.S.-held foreign securities increased by almost $2 trillion last year to one to $13.1 trillion from $11.3 trillion. Not that all of this is tax evasion. In fact, you can pretty easily keep your money in the U.S. if you want to evade taxes. Just park it in Delaware. A study by Transparency International from 2015 found that the U.S. was the number three destination in the world for tax evasion behind the Cayman Islands and Singapore. Finally, in other economic news, the Federal Reserve recently announced a fairly substantial policy change. Last week, Fed officials said they would alter their approach to price stability to to allow for more inflation in the economy. The central bank currently aims to control the money supply to keep inflation at around 2%, and it will keep that target going forward. But now the Fed will aim for an average of 2% inflation over time. As Fed Vice Chair Richard Clarita explained yesterday in a think tank speech, this means the this means the agency will likely tolerate inflation above 2% after a recessionary demand shock causing a sustained drop in price levels. Clarita noted that core inflation measures have failed to consistently reach 2% over the past decade, forcing the Fed to reconsider decades-old assumptions about monetary theory. The agency previously believed there was a stronger negative correlation between unemployment rates and inflation. In other words, price levels used to increase more reliably as unemployment fell. It doesn't anymore. The reason why, of course, is that wages don't increase as much as they used to because capital has been allowed by the state to mercilessly crush labor over the past few decades. That music means the newscast is over. And we move on to the poetry portion of the show where all new subscribers to our Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel, get a haiku written for them and read on the air. In addition to being able to access all our bonus content and get a free month subscription to Means TV. All right, this first haiku goes out to Harvey. Historians will describe this current time as a Cheeto in charge. Thank you, Harvey. And uh, like all Cheetos, we're, we're going to be left with some orange dust on our fingertips for quite some time. 
Ain't that right, yeah. <laughs> we're taking this Cheeto thing a little too far. I think we're going to start be making uh, earnest uh, Cheeto Cheeto in chief jokes. Uh, I, I think we're just getting started, to be honest. <laughs> Stay tuned for Mango Mussolini in three months' time. Uh, thank you, Harvey. This is for Ken. If I were the left, I'd have simply won by now. Have you thought of that? Hmm, good idea. Thank you, Ken. This one is for Claire. Running door to door, warning all my neighbors that a Cheeto's in charge. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. This is for Hauker. I don't like seafood, I tell the customs people. Banned from Iceland now. Thank you, Hauker. How'd I do there? Good enough. <laughs> Sufficient. This is for Gina. I'm arrested and sentenced to death, but there's a dang Cheeto in charge. <laughs> Thank you, Gina. Maybe the Cheeto will will grant you clemency. I can only who, hope. Who knows? Uh, finally, this is for H-Town. Who wants to invest in my new startup idea? Antifa Airline. Thank you, H-Town, and thanks to all the new subscribers. Again, that is patreon.com slash district sentinel. We, uh, we really can't do this podcast without you, so we really do appreciate it. All right, uh, one last... I'm apologizing now for getting my prediction of the impending civil war wrong, and uh, when we are all crushed in, uh, in, in languishing in camps... Uh, find me and come come hold me to account, you know? <laughs> Call me in. Before we go, let's check out the listener rant line. Hey, guys, it's White Sox Lex, and I wanted to call in with an update on the Putrid Pundit Invitational over at Awful Pundits at, and at patreon.com slash awful pundits. Um, we're now in the second round. And so I, I really wanted to give you uh, the favorites from each quadrant. In the Southwest, Tim Poole has really emerged as a dark horse favorite. In the Southeast, Charlotte Clymer, probably the strongest pick to win the entire thing. In the Northeast, I think Michael Tracy, a very strong challenger, but also 16 seed Rick Wilson is a Cinderella story to watch. And in the Northwest, uh, Chuck Todd, what else can you say? So. Um, yeah, you know, there's a Cheeto in the White House, and we're going to keep our self-esteem up, and we're going to awful pundits to vote. So that is the update from a White Sox Lex. Peace out. <laughs> Thank you uh, for the call there, uh, Slater. More and more people are saying it. You know, you just hear it more and more. Uh, I don't. I can't pick out of those group of people. I have no idea who's going to take this down. I think. Uh, I think Tim Pool is just draining shots at the right time right now i think he's he's a force to be reckoned with but uh yeah so is charlotte climber so hard to pick hard to pick i think that uh whoever wins the charlotte climber michael tracy showdown is going to uh go on to take the title that's a good prediction right there from the uh guy who makes awful predictions that sounds like a good one to me <laughs> That's the show. Uh, call the rant line, 202-684-6108. Leave a message. We will play it 
on air. We've got a brand new Chip Chat coming out tomorrow where we talk about uh, D.C. Mayor Mariel Bowser, typical Democratic mayor actions when it comes to the police. And then we've got a brand new Means Morning News on Thursday. We're interviewing Gloria Lariva and uh, Cooper Carraway, labor leader. And uh, back on Friday with a new Garbage Can show. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.